0: Good afternoon, and welcome to the Middle East Forum's webinar and podcast series, Israel Insider with Ashley Perry. I'm Stacey Roman, and I will be moderating this discussion today. We're pleased to have Mr. Ashley Perry, advisor to the Middle East Forum's Israel office, join us here each Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern to update us on all the events going on in Israel. Mr. Perry will be giving us a briefing on current Israeli affairs for 15 minutes, then open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your screen to type your question. Now, with no further ado, I'll turn the discussion over to Mr. Ashley Perry.
1: Thank you very much, uh, Stacey, and good evening from Israel. Uh, Well, it's been uh, another uh, busy uh, week, especially in Israeli politics, uh, since we last met last Wednesday. Um basically, uh, I said last week that although there was quite a lot of optimism that this government would at least last until later in the year, maybe after the Jewish holidays in September, uh, I said that uh, anything could happen. And don't forget, all it needs is for one uh, member of Knesset, with such a tenuous balance between the coalition and opposition, to basically decide to leave for personal reasons, for ideological reasons, maybe a mixture of both. Um, Interestingly enough, um, I I think I read uh, a couple of weeks ago, Amit Segel, who is known to be one of the more astute and very closely connected uh, political commentators, uh, uh, journalists uh, in Israel, said that usually uh, the ones who make the least noise are the ones you've got to be worried about. Where there's noise, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, that's not usually a great threat, but sometimes these things come out of left field and certainly that's what we heard. Uh, after you know weeks or months of worrying about members of Yamina, which one is going to be the next one to jump, after Edith Selman left um, uh, a while ago, uh, leaving the coalition down to bare minimum of 60. Uh, everyone was wondering, would it be Nia Orbach? Would it be uh, Kara? Would it be this one? Would it be Shaked? Would it be a combination? Perhaps uh, one of the other right wing parties. Uh, interestingly enough, it actually came from the left wing. Uh, that's certainly not where most commentators thought would be a threat because uh, as we know, especially um, uh, you know the, the left of Israel, uh, the Merits Party, Labor Party, this is the first time They've been in government for quite a while, and perhaps with the political constellation as it is, this may well be their last chance for a while, because the right wing certainly uh, ideologically has a very significant majority in the Knesset. I think we did the maths at one point uh, between 70 and 80 seats. Uh, So certainly um, there was no, it seemed to be very little interest uh, in anyone on the left wing. I'm I'm, I'm not putting at this moment the Ram, the Islamist Arab party, but on the left wing, uh, of the uh, Zionist uh, political map, one would uh, one didn't see many threats. But out of left field came uh, an, an Arab woman, uh, uh, Zawabi, from Meretz, who uh, out of nowhere, seemingly, on Thursday, last Thursday, declared that she's leaving the coalition. Now, as one can imagine, this sent everything into... Uh, you know, in, 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 into a real tailspin because that basically meant that the government was down to 59, uh, and not to say all the opposition was uh, to 61, but certainly now it would seem that they potentially had the numbers not to uh, replace the government through a, a, an official no conf- a vote of no confidence, but to vote for a uh, the the um, the dispersal of Knesset law, which would mean uh, the Knesset would disperse and we'd go to elections within three months. So everyone was already starting to set their calendars. Three months uh, would have meant August, which is the, you know, vacation where people are aware, no one likes to hold elections then. So we were talking about September, perhaps in the heart of the Jewish holidays. So people are already starting to discuss uh, dates. Um, but then after doing the rounds of the Israeli uh, mainstream media, Zawabi said, you know, uh, this is long uh, time in coming. Not happy about what's going on with the Palestinians, with the Arab street, the, the funeral uh, for the Al Jazeera journalist, uh, what happened during Ramadan on uh, on the Temple Mount, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and she, she made a point, to, uh, kept on saying that uh, when they said, Can you reverse your decision? she said, You've got to understand when an Arab woman makes up her mind, she holds to it. Well, apparently that's not necessarily true, as a lot of uh, uh, commentators. Uh, uh, you know, uh, mentioned after because it seemed slowly, but slowly she was coming down from a tree. Uh, initially, she wouldn't be pushed on how she would vote on a law of dispersal of Knesset, which, whether she would vote against the government, even though she would not consider herself legally bound. Of course, it matters very much if you vote against the government, if you don't turn up for votes, or don't uh, vote for or against, or if you vote for. I mean, with with you know, with such a balance. Every little detail matters. So she went from, I haven't decided how I'm going to vote yet to, I don't think I'm going to vote to disperse the Knesset to um, maybe I will vote for the coalition on important votes like that. And eventually, more and more pressure was put on her from various figures. Uh, The most important elements uh, appeared to be Yei Lapid, uh, who now seems to be the person directly working with her. But more importantly, at least from her point of view, um, a lot of mayors of Arab towns and municipalities came forward and said, now is not the time to bring down the government. We haven't yet received the budgets that were promised to us. And the point was made again and again that you may not like this government, but the alternative would be uh, Netanyahu, would be Itamar Ben Greer. The, 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 the message that kept being put out was that... Uh, can you imagine Itamar ben as the Minister of Internal Security? As one can imagine, the Minister of Internal Security is one not necessarily desired by the Arab Street. And one can imagine someone as far right as Itamar Ben-Gvir certainly would cause chills to many uh, in the Arab public. So there was a lot of pressure put on her. And lo and behold, after the weekend, she declared uh, that she was returning to the government. Um, interesting enough, she held a press conference, and it wasn't her party uh, Chairman Itzhan Horowitz next to her, it was Yale Lapid with uh, a load of mayors of uh, uh, Arab towns and municipalities around the country saying that we support her. Don't forget Zawabi herself comes from the Arab municipality system uh, and there was talk of her perhaps going back to that at some point. Um, so basically that fire seemed to be put out at least for now. Although we saw uh, this week, she didn't turn up for a lot of votes, even though she said she's returning to the coalition, she didn't vote with the coalition, but on the whole coalition managed to pass most of its votes this week on Monday and Wednesday without her help. Uh, But uh, basically, this was supposed to be the end of the government. People were already starting, as I said, to to look at their calendars to see when, when the elections could take place. And now we're back, or seemingly back in a position where we're back to the 60-60 again. An interesting other uh, uh, you know uh, issue that came up this week, I think we we touched on it briefly, was this law uh, that would supply two-thirds of the tuition fees for uh, those Israelis who serve in combat units to then go and study and further education um, after their studies called Madim uh, Limudim, from uniform to studies. And there was a lot of pressure on the Likud, especially to vote for this because obviously it would be a lot more difficult for uh, the Iran party to pass. And even if the Iran party would uh, decide to uh, vote for it, then it would again be 60-60 uh, and, the, and the law would not pass. There was a lot of pressure from ITF veterans groups, from uh, all sorts of, uh, all sorts of um, different lobbying groups that basically said this is an important law, this should be beyond politics. And that was the message that certainly came up with, uh, from the coalition in general and Defence Minister Benny Gantz, that this was his particular pet project uh, in particular. Uh, And at one point, it seemed like there was going to be quite a rebellion from a number of liquid MKs who said that this shouldn't be an issue, it's not going to bring down the government anyway, so we can't hurt our soldiers in their time of need, et cetera, et cetera. So it did seem like there was a certain rebellion. Uh, Netanyahu was certainly put pressure on by his (coughs) ultra-Orthodox our opposition uh, uh, partners who said, well, if you're going to vote for coalition laws, then maybe we can also put up some laws as well. And that put a lot of pressure, especially at a time where the ultra-Orthodox are being wooed behind the scenes by the coalition. Uh, it's not necessarily going to happen. I, I certainly don't believe, them. and we've seen uh, today that Finance Minister Avigdor Liebman uh, put out some things in a, in a budget which he's writing for next year. Uh, there's there's quite a few uh, particular uh, parts of it which would hurt the Haredi sector. Um, So I don't see the the, the Haredim, the ultra-Orthodox party, uh, joining. But certainly, this was something in the end that Netanyahu uh, was back and forth on. Uh, Remarkably, or not, uh, depends how you view it, uh, the the Likud faction meeting, which discussed how it was going to vote, uh, was recorded and released with uh, one of the more prominent members Mir regev who we know was a minister uh in the past of uh, culture and a few other uh, portfolios she held and she made remarkable comments which were as one can imagine immediately lapped up by the coalition which said that uh, we shouldn't get stomach aches, as she put it over issues to do with the idf or to do with rape victims or even the disabled you know it, our main goal is to bring down the government um, there's been a big debate <coughs> over exactly what is the opposition's role. Is the opposition's role in any society, in any democracy, just to bring down the government, or is it just to push the government? Voting with it when it thinks it's right, uh, but pushing it, making sure that it stays faithful to what they think is best for the country, but not automatically, reflexively voting against it at every single uh, matter. And that's pretty much where the liquid has been from 95 to 99%. Uh, but these comments clearly embarrassed the Likud to a point where it was decided that they would vote uh, for this law. Uh, but then when the Arab joined Arab list, who wanted to embarrass the Likud, their so-called partners in the opposition uh, decided to make it a vote of no confidence, which is their right to do. Uh, the Likud could no longer vote for it. But what they did do is they decided not to vote against it. So they all left the chamber, which allowed the, the law to pass by a massive majority, I think it was 50 something to six, those six being the, the joint Arab list. Uh, so that passed, um, actually I should go back a step, that the Likud decided to vote for it after Benny Gantz um, had decided to up from two thirds uh, tuition being paid to three quarters. The Likud in response to the embarrassment that was shown about voting against, seemingly voting against IDF uh, combat veterans, uh, they said that we, we're prepared to put up a law for 100 percent of tuition, which is uh, nothing that they ever put up when they were in government. Um, but they wanted to try and embarrass the opposition, but that wasn't sticking. So when Benny Gantz offered, uh, you know, to up from two thirds to three quarters, then they liked to, everyone. Everyone could claim a little bit of a victory. But they could say, "Well, we got more for the uh, IDF veterans," and the coalition said, "Well, we could pass this law." So in the end, that. You know, it, it certainly embarrassed certain people in the Likud, of being uh, one of them. Uh, but at the end of the day, it was uh, it was passed, and, and certainly it's an important autopass, and and the coalition probably takes more credit than the opposition at this point. Uh, as the coalition was celebrating quite a lot of wins this week, another uh, crisis uh, took place uh, today with the head of the um, not the finance ministry the. Um, the economic, uh, uh, the economic Committee, uh, Michael Biton, uh, basically decided he's no longer going to vote with the government because of what he claims are unfair reforms in uh, public transport and agriculture. There's been a few reforms that have been uh, tried or are being tried or even are underway uh, and ongoing uh, in this government and two of, the, two of the high profile ones are agriculture to try and open up the market uh, to try and uh, open up the, the so-called monopolies that have been running it with the raising of the prices for a lot of commodities, a lot of produce. Uh, Minister of Agriculture did for uh, has certainly tried to push back against these strong lobbies, and Michal Bitton uh, is one that was identified as the lobby, as someone who could stand up for them, uh, the, the farmers' lobby, the agriculturists' uh, lobby, and he said that he will not uh, be bound by the governments as long as this reform goes through. He also had a pop at uh, transportation, Minister of Mayor of Michaeli, um, uh, because of her reform of public transport. And uh, he basically said he's, he's not going to vote with the government. Uh, he, will, he will vote at this point uh, with the government on, um, on laws of no confidence, because obviously that could break, uh, uh, you know, uh, take down the government. Uh, but at the moment, it remains to be seen exactly what's going to happen there. Uh, in today's votes, he did not show up for the votes. And he's claimed that he's closed his uh, uh, economic committee until further notice. Uh, he's making a lot of noise. A lot of people have accused him of, uh, of basically being a populist, of trying to take advantage of this situation. But again, it really just goes back to what I've been saying, that any one MK who wants to build a career, who maybe wants to get a promise from someone in the opposition, maybe they could of a nicely placed position on their list, or maybe a ministry next time, or maybe they have other aspirations. Uh, maybe it is ideological in, in some, uh, but what is clear is that this government is really putting out fires. Uh, there are people in Yamina who just see it at, as a matter of days. Uh, they're already starting to say that maybe, uh, it's time to form an alternative government to reach out to they could to see if it's possible to form an alternative government. I mean, these, there's nothing particularly new in that, but certainly with each crisis, uh, the voices uh, grow louder. And just finally uh, this week, there was a, a relatively historic uh, an event where the Turkish foreign minister uh, came to Israel, the first in many, many years. Um, he went to the Palestinian Authority, even uh, went up to the Temple Mount Uh, But today he held a meeting with uh, Yair and it's clear that uh, uh, the relations are going in the right direction. There was lots of talks of agreements. The Turks certainly need this, uh, arguably more than the Israelis at this point. There wasn't specifics mentioned on the return of ambassadors. We haven't had ambassadors in each other's country uh, for a number of years, I think since 2018. Uh, But certainly uh, this visit is the highest profile visit by a Turkish politician for many, many years, especially after the crisis in relations uh, that have been going back at least 13, 14 years. Uh, So that's certainly useful for the region. It remains to be seen exactly what will come out of it. Uh, In practical terms, uh, Turkey wants to show that it's it's back in the sort of moderate camp or at least uh, showing its will towards that camp, Uh, wants to be in America's good books, wants to be part of uh, Israel's uh, natural gas um, uh, projects with the eastern Mediterranean with countries like Cyprus and Greece um, and Israel has an interest in uh, gaining uh, you know regaining the relations with Turkey which used to be one of the pillars foundational pillars of peace and security uh, in the region so uh, we'll see how that plays out but certainly it was a it was a very Uh, important week uh, for uh, Israel-Turkey relations. So with that, I'm happy to answer any questions on any issues I've mentioned or anything else that's on your mind.
0: All right, thank you so much. First question is from Daniel Pipes. Uh, Prime Minister Bennett has indicated that Biden has definitively uh, kept the IGRC on the terrorism list. Can you please comment?
1: Yeah, it, it, you know, this issue came up, uh, I think, a, a couple of months ago, where there was uh, leaks that the Americans were considering <coughs> uh, meeting a demand of Iran uh, to return to the JCPOA, which was uh, the removal of the, uh, the Revolutionary Guards uh, from the terrorist uh, organization list of the State Department. Uh, Israel when Israel heard about this, they went into, I'm sure Israel wasn't the only country, but certainly was one of the major players, went into full uh, diplomatic drive, really pushing the Americans back on this, working uh, in Congress, working with the Biden administration, uh, showing how dangerous it was, even getting information out, showing the Americans of uh, attempted um, assassinations, not just of Jewish and Israeli um, uh, figures, but also Americans, um, and just showing some of the things that the uh, the Revolutionary Guards were involved in. And one of the major sort of turning points was when the the uh, the chief, the Joint Chief of Staff, uh, the head of the Joint Chief of Staff, the U.S. Army, uh, backed this position that the uh, Revolutionary Guards should not be taken uh, off the terrorist list. So it did seem like there was a lot of momentum, not to say a president couldn't go against their most senior military figure but it would seem unlikely that such a figure would make such comments uh, and then look uh, look weak as uh, the politicians would take over so it did seem that there was momentum against it the Iranians are obviously livid about it they're still making it uh, a, a, one of their primary issues but at the moment the Americans seem to be standing firm and the Israelis are certainly seeing this as a diplomatic gain um, but, you know, we, we don't know exactly what the price will be paid if uh, there should be return to the JCPOA. Um, and maybe they found sometimes in diplomacy, they find a constructive way around it by not taking them off the list, but doing something else similar uh, of a similar nature that the Iranians can feel that they got a victory there. So at the moment, it seems that they are staying on the list. Uh, but if there is a return to the JCPOA, I'm sure there'll be quite a lot of um. Uh, compromises, let's say, given to the Iranians. So we'll have to wait and see exactly what those are.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, D. Rohr Strauss asks, do you have any insight about Flag Day with the new high security, which was just announced?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's an annual event. I think last year was the first time that it was cancelled ever, well, since since it started. Uh, And there's been a lot of talk exactly Uh, Should it take place? Is it poking the eye of the Palestinians, of the extremists last year? If we remember uh, on that day, uh, Hamas decided to launch rockets uh, on Jerusalem, uh, specifically on that day. And it was uh, first rerouted and then basically canceled. Uh, There was an event, I think, a few weeks later to try and compensate for that. Uh, But this year, there's been a lot of staunch support for it. even someone like Omer Barlev, who is the internal security minister, who certainly could not be accused of being overly right wing, uh, uh, believes, as certainly more right wing members do, that, uh, that rerouting it or cancelling it would be a capitulation. And the Israeli uh, security uh, forces have sent a message to Hamas that if it plans to do anything like it did last year, it will be hit uh, very solidly and powerfully. Uh, in return. Um, It does seem like the the numbers will be limited somewhat. It won't be just uh, open-ended as it has been in previous years. Uh, The biggest controversy, the biggest, let's say, controversial part of the the march is uh, relatively near the beginning, where it marches through Damascus Gate, through the uh, Muslim Quarter. Uh, Usually it goes off largely without incident. There are Sadly, amongst the thousands, if not tens of thousands, of participants, a few people who shout racist, or aggressive, or violent chants towards uh, some Arabs. Um, But uh, usually, these things are relatively peaceful. uh, But they are definitely seen as antagonistic from the Palestinian side. But at the moment, it has been given the go-ahead. And it seems like there's going to be one of the largest security operations Uh, in recent memory in Jerusalem on Sunday to make sure it passes off without incident.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, Michael Kerbel asks uh, about the budget. Is there any possibility for getting a budget passed this year? No one passed last year, but with the coalition falling apart.
1: Right. uh, Uh, When it passed last year, it had 61, and you need 61. At the moment, it has 60, which means it can't pass if everyone turns up and votes the way they're supposed to. so the budget is good until the end of 2022, and then it has to be passed three years until it goes out of date. In other words, oh, three, three months, I should say. So as of uh, the end of March, uh, they will have had to pass this government if it survives that long. <laughs> and that's a very big if, as, uh, as I said earlier on, um, then it would have to pass the, uh, the budget uh, by then. I don't see how it's going to, I, I don't think the government's going to last even long enough to do that. Uh, Finance Minister Vitor Liebman is certainly trying to be optimistic or at least trying to show um, that uh, you know, business as usual and he has a plan and he he's working on the budgets and they are leaking parts of the budget every other day uh, to show what, what, what would be uh, part of it. Um, but I see very, very little chance that this government will survive long enough even uh, to uh, pass a budget. But one never knows. I, I just don't see where that 61st uh, member is supposed to come from.
0: Understood. And speaking of um, with Zohabid uh, and Maritz, sorry, what what exactly do they get for staying with the coalition? Why would she come back after she she left? From the as I said, 20? I think.
1: Right. I think it was a combination of factors. I think that she felt that she would probably have more support than she did. Uh, But the case was made quite powerfully, actually, especially in the Arab street, that however much you dislike this government, what's the alternative? The alternative is your position. Is a return of Netanyahu. uh, Is perhaps Itamar Ben-Kvir as a minister, Minister of Internal Security, as I said, which which would really be a red flag for many uh, Arabs. Uh, um, and basically what she had was, uh, or, or it seems like the, has come out of it, was released uh, today, is in the original budget, there was uh, something like 770 million shekels, uh, which is about a quarter of a million dollars, something around that, maybe a bit less, um, not quarter of a million, quarter of a billion, I should say, uh, dollars uh, that was supposed to be given to the uh, Arab sector. It's something which has been promised for many, many uh, different coalitions. Uh, but it was being held out by red tape, by bureaucracy, by uh, differences of opinion, uh, and it certainly seems that now that it is being pushed forward, um, you know, th- for all sorts of things: for roads, infrastructure, for housing, um, for fighting violence and crime, which is something that you know affects all of Israelis. As we've seen in recent weeks, that uh, that the crime and violence in the Arab sector spills over to wider Israeli society. Um, so it does seem that that was one of the issues that was worked out and that's seen as one of the gains that uh, member of Knesset Zawabi, uh gained uh, by this uh, crisis. Let's not forget, I don't know if the, if the question mentioned this, but this was not a revolt from the Merits Party as a whole. This was just one particular individual uh, member of Knesset.
0: Thank you for making that distinction. Uh, Eric asked, or- Yeah. Ask, can you please talk more about CNN claim that that Israel killed the Al Jazeera journalist in a deliberate attack? IDF obviously rejects this report. Can you comment?
1: Yeah, I I didn't read the whole CNN article. I read uh, snippets of it and some of the reactions to it. First of all, uh, what the Israeli authorities pointed out very early on is not a single Israeli uh, was quoted. Uh, Official Israeli was quoted. And obviously, Israel has a lot to say about it. Uh, point out the fact that you know if the Palestine, if this is all true that the Israelis did it, then why are the Palestine is not handing over the bullet, which would give pretty much all the information necessary to ascertain who exactly uh, you know uh, shot uh, the journalist. Israel is not saying that it it couldn't have been uh, responsible, but the idea that it targeted uh, the journalist is something which it thoroughly rejects, and uh, and and basically the. The, the CNN report, although very lengthy, it basically relies on eyewitness testimony and almost all of the eyewitnesses that they uh, spoke to are rabidly anti-Israel. Um, I, I saw an interesting report by honestreporting.com which, uh, which passed some of the, um, the interviewees in that particular report and some of them have praised terrorism, praised the murder of Israelis, hardly... Uh, you know, the, the, new, the neutral observers that they were being portrayed. Um, and there's no way of knowing that a bullet uh, that lands anywhere is intentional. So the idea that uh, they could prove that it was intentional, they brought in a ballistic uh, expert. But again, uh, someone who looked into the background of this ballistic expert can see how uh, on many other occasions they've taken an extremely hostile line towards Israel. So again, not the impartial neutral observer that was being uh, uh you know written about in the cnn report um but basically it all hinged on um these um you know these eyewitness testimonies and it basically said well we israel has not presented any evidence of its claim that there are that was a palestinian shooting in a different direction well you know it's very difficult for israel to you know israel doesn't go in with a with a camera as you know as it does these you know A lot of the context was lost. That's what's very important. You know, when they go in for these raids, they don't come in advance with a camera crew set up in all positions filming what's going on and and let everyone know about it. It's a very tense situation. You go in there to try and make arrests of terrorists who are involved in the murder of uh, Israelis, as we saw in the weeks before. that. 17 Israelis were brutally murdered in terrorist attacks. So Israel has been uh, going into... Uh, places like Janine where a lot of the terrorists came out of to try and make arrests of those who were behind the operations, who guided the operations, who supplied, who incited towards the operations. And when it did so, unfortunately, this journalist uh, was killed. Uh, And it's clear from all videos and anyone who's ever been involved in these operations that they're very uh, tense situations. Palestinians coming out of everywhere, shooting in every direction. They don't aim particularly. And there's a lot of videos that have been put out So the idea that you could immediately just lump this on Israel by giving some not very impartial, neutral people uh, is absurd. But unfortunately, that is now the narrative out there. Um, But the fact that they did not interview or give a voice to a a single official Israeli position really just shows uh, what the intention of this article was.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. Uh, unfortunately, we've come to the close of our webinar and podcast. Ashley, thank you again for taking time to update us this Absolutely. week. Absolutely. For our viewers and listeners, please join us Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern for a webinar with Sam Westrop in conversation with Daniel Hakikachu. Thank you all for joining us. I hope you have a wonderful day.